Turn your Bible to Isaiah 2. And I'd like to ask Brother Chris to write down the text, the words of all the songs that he's made up words to so we can have them. They are beautiful. He, he composed all the words of that song he sang tonight, and it certainly blessed my heart. God bless you, Brother Chris, the way you preach and sing. You preach in your singing, in your sermons. I appreciate our great music. The music is the sweetest music this side of heaven. And I'm so grateful that God has given us men and women in our church who love Jesus and who love to sing about him. Isaiah chapter 2, a very, maybe a brief message tonight. I want to read beginning with the first one. Let's pray a moment. Father, thank you for everything that's gone into this service already. The choir and the quartet and Mrs. Vaught and Brother Chris and Brother Stephen and Brother Brian and Brother Ronnie. All the songs that have been sung today and how they've encouraged and blessed us. And now open our hearts to the Word of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Hold your finger there and turn to the book of Micah. The book of Micah. And look at chapter 4 of Micah. And notice the comparison between these two passages. Micah and Isaiah were contemporaries. They were speaking of the end days. But in the last days, Micah chapter 4, but in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains. It shall be exalted above the hills and people shall flow into it. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his ways in his paths. For the law shall go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his own vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. For all the people will walk every one in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and forever. Those two passages are almost identical. The Lord was trying to impress 
upon the people of both Israel and Judah that there was coming a day, like we sing over and over, there's coming a day, and in that day, some important things are going to happen. Because of the press of time, I just want to lay on you th your heart three thoughts about the day of the Lord, or that passage that says it shall come to pass in the last days. Now we understand the last days began with the crucifixion of Christ and his resurrection from the dead. And for all these 2,000 years, 1,999 years, we have been in what is called the last days. I think we need to be very cautious about setting dates. Some have thought just because the year 2000 will come at the end of this year, that that would be the cataclysmic event. That would be the day that Christ will come. Or that some are even saying that's the end of the world and all those things. I don't believe we should say that. We do not know when Jesus is coming. He may come today. He may come tomorrow morning. He may come tomorrow evening. He may come in the year 2050 or the year 3000. I do not know. I believe his coming is early and soon. And the scripture points to that. But we ought not to be alarmed about it. God's people ought to look up and rejoice. And the one thing it ought to motivate us to do is to win the lost, whatever the cost. Find people, sons and daughters and brothers and sisters and mothers and daddies, and do what we can to win them to the Lord. Because in the last days, some things are going to happen. Just three things I want to lay on your heart. Number one, we need to warn people of the disaster that is coming. Warn people of the disaster that's coming. Look in your Bible in Amos chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. Therefore the Lord God of hosts saith thus, Wailing shall be in all streets. They shall say in all the highways, Alas, alas. And they shall call the farmer to mourning, and such as are skillful in lamentation to wailing. And in all vineyards shall be wailing, for I will pass through thee, saith the Lord. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even dark and no brightness in it? And turn your Bible to the book of Joel. Chapter 2, verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh, for it is near at hand. A day of darkness, of gloominess. A day of clouds, of thick darkness, like the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong, there hath not been ever the like neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them, and behind them a flame burneth. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, and behind them is desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is like the appearance of horses, and like horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the top of mountains shall they leap. Like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble, like a strong people set in battle array before their faces, before they face the peoples, 
shall be much pained, and the faces shall gather blackness. What is he saying? He's saying there's coming a day of darkness. Be a tragic thing that's going to come on this earth. Now the Lord tells us that over and over and over again. There's coming a day of tribulation. When the men of earth who have rejected God, who have said no to his pleading, who have said no to his gospel preachers, who have said no to his witnesses, who have said no to his Sunday school teachers, who have said no, 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 they'll be called before God and they'll have, be asked for a reason why they rejected God's only remedy for sin. They've tried this, they've tried something else, but they all fail. Only Jesus is the answer. I talked to a young man this morning after church. I visited Korea a number of years ago, and I met some people who were Buddhists and Hindus and talked to them about Jesus, and they said, oh, we'd be glad to receive Jesus as our Savior. We, we like Hindu, we like Buddha, we can like Jesus. And I had to make it clear to them, Jesus is exclusive. You can't trust in Buddha and Hindu and Jesus at the same time. You have to turn away from Buddha, turn away from Hinduism, turn away from ancestor worship and turn to Jesus. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. It is exclusive and we need to remember that. And some are on their way to a midnight of darkness, not knowing that, not realizing it. And sometimes we don't even tell them, we don't even warn them. And when they are warned, some of them make fun of our warnings and, and laugh at our concerns. But the Bible says it's there anyway. There's coming a day, in the last day, there'll be a day of darkness. But I have good news for us. If I understand the scripture right, that day of darkness will not come upon God's people. Do you remember in the Old Testament when Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord? And God said, I've had it up to here. The imagination, the thoughts of men's hearts is only evil continually. I'm gonna destroy the creation I've made. But Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. He began to pour rain on the earth and the fountains of the deep turned open and water came and water came but before it came, God said, Noah, I'm gonna give you 120 years to warn the people. And for 120 years, Noah beat away at that ark, built it and hammered at it and worked at it and people came along and said, you old fuddy-duddy, you old fool, what are you doing? And he said, there's gonna be a judgment of water. Ah, they said, we're never gonna have a judgment of water. What's gonna rain? We never heard of rain, what is rain? Going to be a flood. We've never heard of a flood. Not going to be any flood. Jesus is coming again. We never heard of that. There's going to be a rapture. We never heard of that. There's a terrible hell. They never heard of that. There's a heaven to gain. We never heard of that. Just because they haven't heard of it doesn't mean that it's not true. And Noah kept on building that ark. And one day it started raining. God said, Noah, come into the ark, you and your family. They all went in and the, and the animals, and God closed the door of the ark. 
and God lifted them out of the deluge. And that same water that drowned the people who were under judgment saved Noah and his family. I want to tell you, if I read the Bible right, and I'm not going to be dogmatic, I may be wrong in some of these areas, but this is what I think. This is my conviction. I believe the saved are going to be lifted out before the terrible tribulation comes. We need to be prepared for it. It's coming. We're going to see the, the, the stage set for it. As someone said earlier today, there's a bias against Christian faith right now. You can't read the Bible in school. I read the other day an article about a little girl who carried her Bible to school and they told her to go home. She couldn't have that book in school. And of course, they've taken the Ten Commandments down. And on and on and on and on. America has had more light than any nation on earth. And today, I don't know how long it'll be open, but Russia, communist, atheistic, for 70 years realizes what communism and atheism did to them, and their schools are wide open, and their doors are wide open, and they said, come in and teach us the Bible in school. And America says, you can't do that here. And America's on its way down. But God's people don't have to go down. You don't have to go down, just stand firm, stand true. It's going to be a day of disaster, a day of tragedy, and we need to warn about it. In the latter day, there's going to come a terrible day on this earth. And if I understand the scripture right, when the saved are taken out in the rapture, the Antichrist will rise. I do not know who he is. I don't know whether he's alive today or not. He could be. We don't know who he is. I know during the days of Stalin, some thought he was the Antichrist. In the days of Hitler, some thought he was the Antichrist. In the days of Tojo, some thought he was the Antichrist. They were all wrong. The Antichrist is going to rule from the 10 nations from the revived Roman Empire, according to the scripture. And he will rule from Europe or maybe the Middle East. We don't know where but he's gonna get the attention of the whole earth. And he's not gonna come in with war, he's gonna come in with peace. He's gonna say, I have an answer to the Middle East problem. I have an answer to the African, I have an answer to the, to the Yugoslav problem. I have an answer to all these problems and we will elect him as president of the world. Maybe the UN, I don't know. He'll come in in peace. It won't be long until he shows himself as a man of bloodshed and tragedy and famine and war and death. You read Revelation chapter 6, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So we need to warn, there's coming a dark day. Secondly, we need to watch for the signs. Turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 24 for a moment, please. Matthew chapter 24. And let's look at some of the signs that God gives us. In Matthew chapter 24, beginning with verse 3, as Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, 
When shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Number one sign is deceit. Deceit among the nations. Deceit as far as, as uh, uh, the Lord is concerned. There's never been a time when so many people have claimed to be Jesus, to be the Christ. I'm not sure you're aware of it, but Song Mong Moon, the, the head of the flower people, the head of the Moonies, says Jesus made a mistake. He didn't get married, he didn't have any children. I've come to be a substitute for Jesus, and I'm gonna finish the work that he didn't do, so I'm gonna have thousands of children. And in Korea, he had many, many children until the preachers rose up in arms and put him out. When I was over there several years ago, some of the preachers said, we put him out of here, but you saps over in America folded him in in loving arms. He owned some of the biggest buildings in America, some of the biggest foundations in America. He says he's the Christ. Jesus said it would be like that. Many will come in my name saying I'm the Christ. Deceit. That's one of the signs of the close coming of the Lord. Deceit. And man, it's all around us. Look at the second one, verse 6. Ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. He's talking about signs in nature, as well as wars. In 1945, how many of you were alive in 1945? Lift your hands. All right. You know what happened? At the end of World War II, the leaders of peace-loving nations met in San Francisco and signed the United Nations mandate. And they said, this will end all wars. There'll never be another war. It's all over. That was in 1945. There have been hundreds and hundreds of wars since. And even as we meet here tonight, our president is considering sending some more troops to another place and some more to another place because there's war and rumors of war. Jesus said it would be like that. And then he said, there are going to be signs in nature. I don't know that America has ever had as many signs in nature as we've had in the last few years. Floods, unbelievable floods, hurricanes, tornadoes. You imagine having a tornado in January? Who ever heard of such a thing? All kinds of signs in nature. Is God trying to get the attention of America? Is he trying to bring us back to him? We read in Revelation that judgment does not bring repentance. Isn't that something? The goodness of God leadeth men to repentance, but only those that recognize it. All these hurricanes and floods and all the things that have gone on in America, they're not bringing repentance. When did you hear some radio commentary suggest, well, maybe some of these things are caused by 
God. Maybe God's trying to get our attention. Jesus said this is one of the signs of the times, one of the signs of the coming of the Lord, one of the signs of the end of this age, one of the signs of the great tribulation beginning. Look at something else. Look in verse 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and ye shall kill you. They shall, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. They sh and then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hurt one another. And many false prophets shall rise up and deceive many. Now you think of what's going on, afflictions and persecutions. We've had missionaries kidnapped. We've had some missionaries in South America that have been in been kidnapped six years ago. We don't know where they are. They're from the Wycliffe group. Don't know where they are. Haven't heard from them. They may be dead. Maybe they're alive. All over the world it's like that. And of course here in America, the violence on every hand. The Lord said it would happen. It's like that. He's one of the signs. And he said there'd be persecution. And he said there would be unnatural affection and people that ought to love each other don't love each other look in verse 12 and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold I think I've always been interested in the newspaper it's possible that when I was younger there was some something about children divorcing their parents, but I never heard of that until just a few years ago. Have you? Did you know that went on? It's something sort of new. Children don't like their moms and dads. They say, I'm going to divorce you. Can you imagine that? Or I'll just shoot you, kill you. All over the land, we're reading about some young punk that comes in and shoots his mother and daddy, kills them goes into some school and shoots students. What, what's behind all that? I think that's a new thing under the sun. I never heard of it when I was growing up. Jesus said it'd be like that. Before the end comes, it's gonna be a time of violence. That's the reason God was so upset with the antediluvian world and he said, I'm gonna send judgment. He said, I've had it up to here. The thoughts of their minds is only evil continually. It repents me that I have created them. I'm going to destroy them. But Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. And I want to tell you, you who know Jesus as Savior have found grace in the sight of God. You're his chosen people. If you're not saved tonight, come to Christ immediately. Get on the king's side. Don't stay any longer on the world's side and the devil's side and the flesh side. Come over into Canaan land, into the land of Beulah, that Miss Retha so beautifully sang about this morning. Is not this the land of Beulah? What's she talking about? Talking about the kingdom of God, the people of God in the house of God. Is not this the land of Beulah? Don't you enjoy being in God's house? Don't you almost hate for the services to get over and you have to go back to the television world and the fleshly world and the workaday world and the cursing world and the dirty joke world and all that? Right now you're in God's house. It's a little foretaste of heaven. If you don't enjoy it here, how are you ever going to enjoy heaven? We need to see the signs. And then there's one other thing. Look in verse 14. 
This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being heralded around the world in almost every language. God has raised up men like J. Harold Smith. Dr. Smith's message daily, the radio Bible hour goes all across Europe, all across Asia, and all across America, and in South America, and in Mexico. Billy Graham stands before a microphone and before a television camera, and his image and his message goes out to millions around the world. That didn't happen to our generation. That didn't happen two or three generations ago. Television began at the end of World War II. They didn't have it before that. God said, when the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all the world, then will the end come. What does that mean? Will all the world believe? No. The post-millennialists used to teach that the world's going to get better and better and better and we'll preach the gospel and everybody will get saved and we'll have a wonderful kingdom and we'll present it to Jesus and invite him to come and take charge. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. It's getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And God's people are going to go again into a time where we may be persecuted for the faith of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, uh, don't worry about it. I'll be with you. I'll be there. And in the darkest hour, I'm coming after you. I'm going to catch you up. You don't go through that dark, dingy tribulation period. And then if you look at verse 15, you can draw a line between verses 14 and 15. When ye therefore see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him understand. What in the world is the abomination of desolation? Here's what it is. In the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, in about uh, 125 B.C., Antiochus Epiphanes made a co covenant with the Jews and allowed them to have temple worship again. After three years, he rejected that covenant. He came into Jerusalem and offered a sow on the Jewish altar and built an image of Jupiter there. And it so infuriated the Jews, that was the Maccabean revolt. It was called by Daniel, the abomination of desolation. Jesus said that same thing is going to happen again. The Antichrist will make a covenant with the Jews and the Jews will be allowed to worship in their temple. There will be freedom over there again. Maybe they even build their temple. And right in the middle of it, the Antichrist will cut it off and there will be an abomination of desolation. And Jesus said that ushers in the terrible, terrible tribulation. Most Bible students believe the tribulation is about seven years long. The first three and a half, pretty critical. The last three and a half, terribly desolate. Awful, awful persecution. And the earth is rained down upon with bombs and hydrogen and, oxygen and, and uh, atomic warfare and all kinds of things. And a third of the people are killed. And a third of the fish in the sea are killed. A third of the animals are killed. There's coming a day. We need to warn we need to see the signs, but let's watch for his presence. Jesus is coming again. I don't know the day, but he's coming. He said, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's an exclusive Christ. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens and the earth shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are in it shall be burned up. The second coming of Christ is in two similes. He's coming in the air for his own, he's coming to the earth with his own. He's coming in the, air, to the, in the air as a thief in the night. You won't know when, when he's coming. He may come tonight. If you're reading some of the series of books on Left Behind, you can see how, how this will affect people. It's, it's an imaginary projection, but it's pretty accurate. And you'll see how people suddenly disappear and the world will get regrouped and go on anyway in the dark tribulation period. He's coming in the air for his own. If he should come tonight, every believer would go up. If you're not a believer, if you've never been saved, you'll stay right here. I pray there won't be anybody here to run this church. I'm not bringing judgment. I'm afraid that some places that are called the house of God will be in full swing during the tribulation. It's awful. Think about it. Then he's coming to the earth with his own, with 10,000 of his saints, and he's going to put an end to the battle of Armageddon. Remember, Armageddon isn't going to be in the year 2000. Some people are saying that. No, no, no. Armageddon comes just before the coming of Christ, and Jesus comes and ends it all. We're not in the tribulation right now. There are tribulations going on, but this isn't the terrible reign of the Antichrist. And if the Bible is, if we understand the Bible right, that will happen at the end of the reign of the Antichrist and Jesus will come and put all that down. So we need to look for his presence. We're looking up. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is at hand. Jesus is coming again. I don't know the day or the hour and I would not dare mention a date. I don't know the date. Somebody wrote 88 reasons why Jesus should come in 1988. They were wrong. So they revised it. 98 reasons why Jesus should come in 98, and he didn't come. And now they're saying, well, he's surely going to come in the year 2000. I don't know when the Lord will come. God's people don't have to be afraid. Look up. Our redemption draweth nigh. In the last days, in the last days, we need to warn about the disaster. We need to watch for the signs. We need to wait for his presence. Let's pray. Our Father, again, we just praise you and thank you for the word of God. Oh, God, encourage your people tonight. Don't let our people be defeated or discouraged or afraid, but build us up in the faith. Help us to love you and be willing, if need be, to die for the faith of Christ but to go on and on and on and tell as many as we possibly can tell 
that Jesus is coming again. Pray that someone in this place tonight who is not saved will come to Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, please. 361, pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry. While on others thou art calling, do not pass me by. Don't let Jesus pass you by tonight. He's right here in the, in the building. He's walking up down the aisles and the, the pews. He's knocking on your heart's door. You may say, well, I didn't plan to come to Christ tonight. God did. God brought you here for a reason. I want to ask you if you're willing to humble your heart in God's sight and just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need Christ. Come down here and let us pray with you. Yield your heart to the Lord tonight. While it is called today, while we can still do it. And whatever God has said to your heart, do what he says. While we sing, while we pray, will you come?